I want to uh, ask you to use your imagination for a moment. Let's say there's this uh, mean dog in your neighborhood, and he's always running loose. In fact, already three times you've been attacked by this mean dog. As you're making your way to work, as you walk to work, three different times you've already been attacked by this dog, and twice he's bitten you. So you've got a problem. You've got a big problem. How do you deal with this dangerous dog? What are your options? Well, option number one, you can think positive, you know, just to hope for the best. You know, put aside all the bad memories. Forget about all those painful, frightening encounters you've already had with this vicious dog. And just choose instead to think happy thoughts. You know, t tell yourself, maybe the dog won't be there today. Now, that's a nice idea, but it's not realistic because just hoping, just imagining, just visualizing in your mind that the dog won't be there is not going to make that mean dog go away. So this option is really not helpful. So option number two, since you have to walk to work, a vehicle is not available right now. You have to walk to work, then come prepared for battle. Equip yourself with some pepper spray so this time when you encounter the dog, maybe you win the fight instead of the dog. But again, this option is not all that appealing because that leaves you with a lot of worry and anxiety. The worry and anxiety of knowing that every day you've still got to face that dog. You've still got to deal with this dangerous dog. So in your mind, you're thinking to yourself, wow, are there any other options? Is there a better way to solve this problem? And the answer is yes. Walk a different way. <laughs> Take a different path. Find a new route to work, a route where you won't have to encounter this dog anymore. Now, that's one of the major lessons that the Apostle Paul is trying to teach in the book of Galatians. See, many times we are our own worst enemy. We bring all this unnecessary trouble upon ourselves because we keep walking down the same old path. You know, the path that got us into trouble before? But we keep going down that same road, hoping and praying that maybe this time we're going to get a different result. Well, there's nothing wrong with the prayers. We're praying for something good. The problem is we're on the wrong road. We're heading to places where we don't need to go. If we want a better result, we've got to take a different path. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Uh, isn't it true every week throughout the week we just receive all kinds of criticisms? I mean, there are just a lot of mean people out there, right? Maybe it's a coach or a boss who makes these impossible demands or setting these expectations that you'll never be able to live up to. I am never going to be able to please this person. Or maybe it's an angry customer, or maybe it's an ornery neighbor, or maybe it's that cranky relative of yours that's always blistering you with their negative opinions on Facebook, email. I mean, every week you're just getting pounded and beaten down with these negative messages like, you never do anything right. You always make mistakes. Or, nobody around here likes you. I mean, why would anyone around here want to be a friend with you? Or you're the reason this family's so messed up. Everybody in this family would just be so much better off if you weren't around anymore. Or your life's never going to amount to anything. Your life is just a waste. Or what's the matter with you? I mean, again and again, all week long, we're getting criticized and put down because there's just a lot of nasty people who love nothing better than just to hurt you. Well, here's the problem. Here's the real problem with those criticisms. It's us. Because after they say those words, we just keep repeating those words in our minds. We just keep letting those words bounce around on our head. I mean, all day long and all night long, we just keep replaying those negative messages so that all day long and all night long, that's the only thing we ever think about. And then we allow those words, their words, not God's word, we allow their words to form the way we view ourselves. Well, the Bible is very clear. That's wrong. The Bible is clear. Our identity is to be shaped by God not by the people around us. Our identity is to be defined and determined by what God says about us, what he thinks about us, what he's done for us, and what he plans to do for us in our future. And yet, mentally, what do we do? 
mentally, we keep going down that same path where every day we spend more time listening to the people around us than we do listening to God. And we let their opinions, their wrong opinions, determine the course of our life. That's why I believe one of the key verses here in the book of Galatians is the verse we're going to study today. A verse that encourages us, walk a different way, please. Walk a different way. Take a different path, a path where you're going to get better results. What kind of path are we talking about? Well, let's take a look at this. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 25. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 25. It says, since we live by the Spirit as Christians, we are expected to walk a different way. Every day we are to walk in the company of God's Holy Spirit. But if God's Holy Spirit is really going to be able to bless and impact, make an impact upon our lives, then here's what we've got to do. The last part of this verse. If we're going to live by the Spirit, then we've got to keep in step with the Spirit. And what that means is, is that when we're walking with God's Holy Spirit, it means He's the one that's got to set the pace. It's not a matter, okay, God... Come over here, come and join me because I want you to endorse and bless whatever I'm doing, what, what I want to do. No, it's God, where are you going? And can I join you in that walk? God, what are you doing right now? And, and can I be a part of that too? See this expression, keep in step with. Back in the ancient world, that was a military expression. It was used in both the Greek army and the Roman army. And they used that expression to describe how an army would march to a new location. I mean, whenever they were on the move, they always did so in an orderly fashion, marching in formation, each soldier staying in line and keeping in step with the call, the cadence of the commander who was walking beside them. When he said go, they'd go. When he said stop, they'd stop. Whether they went fast or slow, it was all determined by him. He's the one that set the pace. They'd always move in response to his voice. They, they did their best to keep in step with him. Or think of it like this. Let's use a different picture. Think of a father who's going on a walk with his four-year-old son. They're going to go for a hike in the woods. So this should be a lot of fun, right? Well, if daddy's not careful as they're taking this hike in the woods, you know, his mind can begin to drift and he'll get lost in his thoughts and he becomes preoccupied with all the, all the things he's got to do the next day at the office. And as he begins to feel that pressure, as that stress begins to weigh down upon him, what happens? Unconsciously, he begins to pick up his pace and he starts walking faster and faster and faster until before you know it, he's way out front and the little boy's way back there on the trail. Well, if the father really wants to have a walk with his son, I mean, that's the whole purpose of this hike, right? That dad's not out here just to get some exercise. Dad's out here because he needs to spend some time with his son. So if that's going to happen, that means the father has got to adjust his pace, shorten his strides. And be willing to stop whenever that little guy wants to just pick up a rock or take some time to look at a bug. I mean, if dad really wants this moment to be meaningful with his son, he's got to deliberately keep himself side by side with his son. Well, that's what's being emphasized in this verse. If I really want God's Holy Spirit to bless my life, where every day he is the one who's influencing me, where every day he's the one who's helping me, then I've got to make sure, I've got to make sure I am staying in step with him. That every day I'm staying side by side with God's Holy Spirit. That's why every day I'm looking for opportunities to read the Bible and pray. And looking for opportunities to read the Bible and pray with other believers because sometimes they'll see things and notice things that I won't. 
And every day I'm looking for opportunities to serve and share, even if it's something little. Opportunities where I can use the talents and gifts that God has given me to do something good for others. And you do this too. Why? Because in all these ways and many more, what we call these spiritual habits, in every one of these activities, what are you doing? In every one of those activities, you're making room in your heart so now you can hear the voice of God. You're making room in your life so now you can be led by His Spirit. But the question is this, how can I tell if it's working? How can I really tell if I'm really letting the Holy Spirit make an impact on my life, that he's actually changing me for the better? How can I tell if each day I'm actually staying side by side with God's Holy Spirit? Well, the answer is found back here in verse 22, Galatians 5.22, where the Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. In other words, the Bible is saying, if the Holy Spirit is really working in your life and mine, we're going to know it because it's going to show. It's going to be obvious. I mean, if he's really here and taking the lead, you're going to see some new attitudes of love and joy. You're going to see a whole new set of characteristics like peace and patience and kindness and gentleness with others. This past week, I was reading about Amy Carmichael. She's a, she was a missionary years ago. She was a missionary to India. Served there for 55 years. It was a remarkable ministry. Opened up an orphanage. Spent her life trying to rescue girls, young girls, from a life of prostitution. Just an amazing work she did. But the part of the biography that just this last week just really jumped out to me was this. When Amy died, a friend of hers began to go through her photo albums. All those years there in India, she was, Amy was taking pictures. You know, just to recall the memories of, of what life was like in India and tell the story of what happened there. So more than 50 years worth of pictures, and yet, as the friend was going through all those photo albums, she couldn't find a single picture of Amy herself. Not a single selfie. You know, here we are in a world of selfies where everybody wants to make sure they're front and center in every picture that's taken because, hey, this is all about me. Here was a lady with a completely different attitude. Now, don't misunderstand me. I don't think it's wrong to take a selfie. I'm not saying that. But when you examine the life of Amy Carmichael, you took a look at her photo album, you learned something important about her, about her heart and what she cared about, about her attitude and what was important to her. I mean, today, we've got pictures of Amy Carmichael. She let other people take pictures of her. She was never against that. It's just that whenever she had the camera in her hands, it was always about somebody else. Hey, I want to be sure to capture this moment so people remember what God was doing here, how he was changing people's lives. See, even in a very simple way, just looking through a photo album, you learn something important about the life of Amy Carmichael, where her focus was, how every day she was doing her best to just keep in step with the Spirit of God. Well, we need to keep in step with the Spirit, too. And today, I just want to suggest a very simple way to do that. For the last two weeks, we've been talking about how the main role of the Holy Spirit in your life and mine is to put the spotlight on Jesus. Every day, He's helping us to keep our eyes fixed upon him. Every day he's encouraging and promoting us to have that connection with Jesus, to stay deeply engaged with him. Because when, once we have that relationship with Jesus, the fruit of that relationship is we have a deeper and better and stronger life with him, all of a sudden we see a new and better life in us. We see a love and a joy and a peace and a patience coming that, that, like we've never known before. Well, today I want to turn that around. You know, one of the fruits of the Spirit, and we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, one of the, those fruits is the joy. When you have the Holy Spirit working in your life, you'll begin to experience a joy like you have never known before. I get that. But what I want to do, in light of what we're learning here in verse 25, where God's encouraging us to keep in step with His Spirit, how does God help us to do that? I believe 
when you begin to notice the different moments of joy, even those little moments of joy that God brings into your life and mine, with every one of those moments, God's giving us another opportunity to connect with him. Let me explain. I think joy is like a light bulb. You know, inside that light bulb is all the wiring that is necessary so that it can light up. But the light bulb will never light up by itself. In order for it to produce light, it has to be connected to something outside of itself. It has to be connected to an external source of power, and then it produces light. Same way with us. We were made by God. We were wired up to experience joy. God wants us to be happy. But to have that joy, we've got to allow ourselves to be connected to something good outside of ourselves. For example, sometimes that connection comes because of a good circumstance. You know, uh, it's a sunny day, or you just got a raise, or your team just won the game. I mean, something really good happened, and as, real, as a result, you feel happy. Or sometimes that connection comes because of a pleasure you, you feel, this, this wonderful sensation. Maybe it's the first sip of coffee on a cold morning or receiving a tender kiss from the love of your life, or eating some fresh biscuits with melting butter. I mean, in every one of our lives, every day, there are those moments of simple pleasure just guaranteed to put a smile on your face. Or sometimes those connections come because of people. Think of a wedding, or the birth of a child, or a family reunion, or a party. And what do all those experiences have in common? People. In every one of our lives, God has put some special people there. And when we get the opportunity to share a special moment with those special people, man, our heart just lights up with all kinds of joy. Well, what the Bible wants us to recognize is that every one of those moments, every one of those experiences is a gift from God. Watch what Solomon says about this. Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 13. Here is Solomon, and he's talking to his son. Just sharing a piece of wisdom with him. Okay, he's going to talk about honey. He says, my son, eat honey because it's good. I mean, it's good. Honey from the comb is sweet. It'll put a smile on your face. It is sweet to your taste. Here's a father telling his son, son, I want to introduce you to an experience you've never had before, an experience that is guaranteed to make you happy. I want you to try some honey. Now, notice he did not warn his son, hey, stay away from the honey. That honey is so wonderful, so delightful. It is so good. I'm afraid you might end up loving the honey more than you love God. Is that a possibility? Sure it is. Anything good can be turned into an idol. But Solomon says, if we're thinking right, if we're thinking biblically, then we realize it was God who created the bees. And he created the bees to make the honey. And he created those bees to make that honey, not just for themselves, but to make it for us too. So Solomon says, if you see this, that means when you eat that honey, you're not just going to enjoy the honey. You're going to enjoy the one who gave you that honey. Remember what the Bible says, 1 Timothy chapter 4 says, everything God created is good. Everything. Everything. Nothing is to be rejected if, if you receive it the right way. And what's the right way? If you receive it with thanksgiving. Are you thankful? Are you thankful for the taste buds so that when you eat food, you're not just eating food. You get a chance to actually enjoy the food that you eat. Are you thankful for those physical senses that God gave to you, those wonderful moments of sensation so that when you take a swim or you step into a hot shower, suddenly there's this feeling of pleasure that, that rises up on the inside of you. You hit a golf ball or you go skiing down a slope. There's this deep sense of joy that just kind of goes running through your bones. Why? Why did God create all these opportunities for happiness? Because every one of those moments is an opportunity for us to connect with the one who provided 
us with that joy. See, my idea is one of the very simple ways we every day just stay in step with the Spirit of God is to take the time to notice what's God doing right now? How is God at work in my world? And taking the time to see and appreciate all those gifts, all those moments of joy that he brought to your life and mine. But that's the point. Do we take time to notice? Do we slow down long enough to really appreciate what he's doing for us? Imagine a family, and they're going on vacation this summer. They're going to set aside three weeks, 21 days, where they're just going to drive across the country and stop at some of the national parks and then wind up at California, where for the last three days of their vacation, they're going to spend some time at Disneyland. So this should be a great experience. And yet, not everybody in this family is happy about this. I mean, the youngest child, he's super excited. He can hardly wait to get in the car. And everywhere along the way, he finds another reason to be happy. He loves seeing and playing with that Great Dane that they encountered at the rest stop. And he loves eating the pancakes when they stopped at Denny's to get a bite to eat. And he even had fun when they stopped at the gas station because he saw this brand new Harley Davidson motorcycle. Man, is that nice. I mean, at every point along the way, this little guy's just having the time of his life. But his older brother and his older sister, different story. The older boy never even bothers to look out the window because he's too busy playing games in his iPad. And as he's got his eyes glued to the screen, he keeps thinking about how he'd rather be back home hanging out with his friends instead of being stuck in this stupid car with my stupid family. And the older sister is much the same way. She won't participate in any conversations because she's got these earbuds in listening to music. And when she finally pulls them out so she can whine about that great party she missed at her friend's house because I had to come on this ridiculous trip. So at every one of those national parks, the two older siblings never enjoy the scenery because they're too busy moping, moping about how hot it is, how far we have to walk. I mean, something's always wrong. But at every point along the way, that little guy's just having the time of his life. So when they finally get to Disneyland, guess who has the best time of all? The little boy. Because he's always looking for that which is good. But his two older siblings, they complain about the long lines, the crowded stores, how Space Mountain was closed this day. Man, what a ripoff. So here are three children on the same vacation, but only one enjoys the trip. Why? Because only one took the time to notice and appreciate all the joys along the way. You see, joy really is like a light bulb. It's only as you allow yourself to be connected. I mean, really connected to something outside yourself. If you're all wrapped up in yourself, nothing but selfish, I guarantee you will be miserable. But when you allow yourself to be connected to something outside yourself... Now your heart has a reason to light up and be happy. Well, the point the Apostle Paul's making here in Galatians chapter 5, verse 25, all these other connections, you know, whether it's finding yourself in a really good set of circumstances or having this feeling, this wonderful pleasure or being spending time with a good friend. Those are great. And we need to learn to appreciate that. But Paul's point when he encourages us to keep in step with the spirit is this. All those other connections are temporary. If you're really going to make it in this world, and this is a difficult world in which to live, if you're going to make it, you've got to have the most important connection of all. You've got to stay connected with God because that's a connection that's going to last for all eternity. Let's be honest. We live in a world right now that's really messed up. Uh, You know, a, a world where every day there's going to be a lot of reasons not to be happy. It's a broken world where nothing's going to be perfect, so you cannot act like Goldilocks. Hey, everything's got to be just right or I'm not going to be pleased. We'll get used to not being pleased because nothing in this world will ever be just right. It's a broken world, which means bad things are going to happen, and they're going to happen all the time. And those bad things will even sometimes happen to good people. 
So when the world around you gets dark, where is that connection that's going to keep your heart filled with light? The Lord. You know, even when everything gets dark, he's still here. He's still present. Even when you're going through bad times, he still cares. And even when bad things happen, he can still accomplish something good. True story. Young man was walking away from the hospital because his wife had just died leaving him with a son, a small son, to raise. So the two of them went back home that night. They fixed some supper, and, and they went to bed because there was just nothing else to do. Well, all night long, the little boy just tossed and turned. His mind wouldn't let him rest. He just couldn't figure things out. So finally, in the middle of the night, he, he cries out, Daddy, Daddy, where's Mommy? Father came into the room, did his best to try to explain, but the little guy was just confused. You mean she's never coming back? I don't understand. And so the father said, son, just come in my room tonight. Just sleep in bed with me. So the little boy climbed into his bed. He kept moving around, still restless. The room so dark until finally the little boy turned over and he reached out his hands and he grabbed his father's face and he said, daddy, is your face towards me? <laughs> and the father thought, that's a strange question. Why would he ask something like that? And then the little boy explained, daddy, if I know that you're looking at me, if I know you're watching out for me, I think I can go to sleep. And sure enough, a couple moments later, he was completely quiet, sound asleep. For the longest time that night, that father just lay there in bed thinking about his boy and what he'd said. And then he began to pray, God, that's how I feel. <laughs> the way before us, for my son and me, the way before us is so dark. I miss my wife so much. How are we going to make it? Our future so uncertain, unsure. But God, just like my son, I know this, if your face, if your face is still turned towards me, if you're watching out for me, I know we can make it. Do you hear what he's saying? When everything's dark around you, if you know you have this connection with the Lord, you know that his face is turned towards you, your heart has a reason for hope. Well, that's what the Apostle Paul is teaching here in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 25. If every day you'll just take the time to notice, if every day you'll just take the time to begin to appreciate even those little moments of joy that God is bringing in your life and mine, then there's another reminder. Hey, his face is still turned towards me. And once again, my heart has a reason to just light up with joy. Let's pray. God, it really is. It is truly a joy just to be with you right now. God, it's a joy to know that no matter what happens, even if it's something bad, that nothing is ever going to be able to separate us from your love for us. Your attention's never going to get diverted. You will never be distracted. Your face will always be turned towards us. And God, thank you for the joy of knowing that we have, we have this covenant, this life, this relationship with you, and it's going to last for all eternity because your love never fails. God, we're so grateful for that. But God, right now, what I'm most thankful for is this moment, this opportunity right now just to spend time with you. So, Father, my prayer is this. As we draw near to you, please draw near. Come close to us. And I pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen.
The Bible tells us God is for us, not against us. He's for us, not against us. And the ultimate proof of that is the cross, what Jesus did for us on the cross. That's why every Sunday morning, this is the moment that we look forward to, this moment as a church, when we can participate in the Lord's Supper. Down in Houston, Texas, there's a lady named Lily. She's a school bus driver. She's been driving that bus for years. And in all her life, she never had an accident. In fact, just recently, the school district there in Houston, Texas, nominated her for the Safe Driving Award. Well, on the night of the ceremony, uh, all the bus drivers, all the other bus drivers, because they thought so much of Lily, they asked Lily, hey, would you drive the bus tonight to the auditorium? It was just their way of kind of paying tribute to her. Lily, you really are the best. You're the best driver in this whole group. You're the best driver in the whole district. Would you drive the bus to the ceremony tonight? And Lily felt really honored by that, so she got in the seat and took the lead and drove the bus. Well, as they're on their way to the auditorium, she took one of the corners a little too sharply and flipped the bus, and 16 people wound up in the emergency room. Unfortunately, all the injuries were minor, but for the very first time in her life, Lily had an accident. So... Did she still get the award? No, because our world does not operate on the principle of grace, but God does. And aren't you grateful? See, as Christians, we realize we are saved because of his goodness, not ours. That's why this moment, it's, it's all about him, not us. We realize if Jesus had not died, if he had not made that sacrifice, we'd have no hope. But we do have hope because he did make that sacrifice. And we are here today to express our gratitude to him. Let's pray.